Today's episode of Locked On Box is brought to you by our good friends at CBDMD, who have exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than all-star voters slept on Chris Middleton. Sleep PM bath salts for your superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Max him down. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network and also Courtside Live and the post-game show. And let's be honest, he's on this podcast very, very regularly as well, at least two times a week. It's Justin Garcia, and we are on. We are live right now. Uh, you might not be listening to this live, but we are recording live on the Locker Room app, and that is sponsoring our show today. So I'll let you know more about the Locker Room app a little bit later on. But this is a cool little thing we are at least trying here where we are doing a live pod. So I won't be able to edit out any of my bad takes or my mistakes that I make. Uh, I'm not sure. You might get a real insight into how this podcast actually rolls. But Justin, we're, we're trying something new. And to be quite honest, we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's in my world now in the live medium. Yes, and yes. I guess the advantage that we had before where we could pause and I could tell you, hang on, I want to look up some numbers here so I don't really sound like an idiot. Now that's gone. <laughs> so people get a real sense of what these podcasts are like. Yeah, preparation. Who would have thought? But I will say this. I, I've done enough live shows with you, Justin, that I, I feel like I'm okay. But maybe, maybe I am a little bit more excited than usual. But you're right. There might be uh, – preparation might be the key for these – episodes but i will say this this is the first trial here that we're doing this but as people have more time and to be honest i i maybe i didn't promo this enough because i wanted to make sure i actually had this right before i started getting people to take time out of their night but we're going to be doing one a week at least uh, on an off day for the bucks we will do that and the idea that i have with this is that in the past i've done the likes and dislikes and generally i've used that as a solo pod but if we can incorporate Justin and Camille and Frank and all these people that can come into the pod, then you get a chance to not only get in the chat and tell us what you're thinking, but you can also uh, speak. So we can we the, with the locker room app, there is a function where you are able to to speak on the show as well. So it, it should be pretty cool. It should be pretty exciting, and we're going to continue to do this. Uh, a few things that I wanted to get through uh, today, Justin, including. Uh, some lineup data that I've got here. I definitely want to go into the PJ Tucker talk a little bit more. I know we've brought him up a little bit, but let's just say that it seems like 
those those trade rumors aren't going to go away there. And then we'll look ahead to the Sixers. But I did tweet a Giannis stat. I guess it would have been this morning for you, but it was late night for me. And I was just uh, scrolling through the old basketball reference stat head page and I saw a tweet from, and it was actually a woman from Philadelphia. I don't follow the accounts. It just was one of those tweets that came up. But it said, can we stop talking about Giannis like he's having a really good season and acknowledge the fact that he's having a historic season? And I was really curious to see how historic is what Giannis is doing. So currently he's averaging 29 points, 11.7 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.4 blocks, and 1.3 steals per game. So I was pretty generous with these raw numbers here. So I searched for 25, 10, 5, 1, and 1. So listen, I mean, Giannis is clearing those numbers very easily. But this would be the third straight season that he's averaged 25, 10, 5, 1, and 1. The only other players to ever reach those numbers were Boogie Cousins in 2018, which is remarkable in (laughs) itself and a sad story for for how his career has gone, just a reminder of how damn talented that guy is. So Cousins in 2018, Larry Bird in 1985, and then Kareem in 1976. Giannis is about to do it for the third straight year. Yeah, I mean, seeing Boogie Cousins' name on that list, I had to do like a triple take when I read your tweet. And uh, yeah. wait a minute. I mean, I remember him being good, but I don't remember him being, I guess, to this level. And I mean... The thing is, and and we've all talked about it, those of us, you know, you and I have talked about it on the show. I know everybody else um, that we correspond with has brought up the same thing, and it's something that comes up to Giannis after all these games. And I know uh, after the second Wizards game, it was really one of the main talking points from everybody that was in that Zoom call with Bud and with Giannis about just where he's at. And I guess he's in a much better spot, as he keeps saying, and just his mental outlook on the game. But, I mean, what he's doing, just how he's reading the defenses and how he's reading the floor and reacting to everything that happens, rather than going in there like we've seen in the past where because of his talent level and because of some of the advantages he has with that athleticism and his size, he's going to get to the basket and he's going to score. But that's still there this year. The thing that you notice the most is it's been a cerebral game for him as well where he is figuring out – exactly how to attack the defense on a case-by-case situation and he keeps talking about maturation and he's a much smarter player and he's kind of learned these things and just watching these last few games especially I mean the three straight triple doubles it's it's painfully evident in those but you can really see he is on another level and this is the best basketball we've seen him play we had briefly talked about it on one of the last shows that we did but I mean this is the best season he's had from start to finish. And I still don't think he's going to win the MVP just because of the backlash. But I I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because one of the cases I laid out of the show, I just finished uh, about 30 minutes ago is the way we're headed. uh, Joel Embiid's going to be out of the MVP race that, you know, we went through it over the weekend. It's, it's going to be at least the third of the season that he's going to miss now because this is probably a three to five week injury that he's going to be out. So he's out of the mix. And I mean, I think you have to finish in the top three in your conference to win the MVP. Yes, Russell Westbrook did it, but we immediately saw what felt like buyer's remorse from a lot of the voters that gave him that award that his team finished seventh and he recorded finished with a triple double. But now we've seen that just become commonplace. I mean, there was five triple doubles 
in the same night on Saturday, that it doesn't hold the same appeal as it once did. So I think you've got to be towards the top. And if we just look at both conferences, the Jazz don't have a singular MVP candidate on the roster. The Suns as well. I mean, as, as great as, as Chris Paul has been and how he's helped turn things around, he's not an MVP candidate. Clippers, I mean, I don't think Kawhi Leonard or Paul George are going to be there and they're going to kind of cancel each other out. As great as Nikola Jokic has been, and by the numbers – he and Giannis have been the best two players in the league this season, but he's going to fall outside of that top three range. So I think that's going to penalize him. And, and really the dark horses were guys like Damian Lillard and uh, like uh, Luka Doncic. And those guys are out of the mix for that reason as well. When you look at the East, I mean, with Joel Embiid out, it opens the door for Giannis. And we're going to hit the point where at the end of the year, it's basically going to be a standoff between the voters that have to decide, okay, do I go with the narrative-based vote here and give it to LeBron? Because let's all marvel at what he's doing at this stage in his career and how old it is. Uh, but do I give it to LeBron for the narrative-based reasons? Do I give it to James Harden, even though he basically torpedoed a team and just mailed it in for a month this season? Or do I give it to Giannis for a third straight season and let him join that pantheon of all-time greats? as one of the, what, I think three players to ever win three in a row. Those are the three most likely options that voters are going to have. And that's going to make it really interesting because as much as I think there is going to be a fatigue, there could also be a backlash to the backlash of, hold on, all those things that you pointed out. I mean, this is historic. What he's continuing to do, we should probably reward that. We have Robert who's jumped in the chat here. So I want to get to this in just a second. His question is really fascinating, probably for... Again, the playoff outlook that we keep looking at and talking about with the Bucks. But before I do that, I do want to mention, I was listening to No Dunks. And anyone that listens to Locked On Bucks regularly knows that I, I love the No Dunks podcast, not just because of my friend Lee Alice, a great Aussie that's on that show as well. But on today's show, uh, they were talking about the fact that Giannis is starting to really force his way into the MVP discussion. And it's been interesting to me to see how this is slowly starting to gain a little bit of momentum uh, the the better he plays and the more consistently he continues to put up these performances. And Tas Malis actually said, well, I just don't think that you can give it to him because the Bucks are just worse than they were last year. And he's talking purely from a regular season yeah. win percentage-wise. And it's interesting to me because, sure, they're not on 70 win pace. But when I think about this season and I think about the interruptions that all these teams have had, I just don't think that basing win percentage this year compared to last year should be a mark against his name because of the circumstances of this season, of the fact that it's a shortened season, a shortened off season. I don't think win percentage should matter, but seeding certainly could. And as you sort of pointed to, I mean, if the Bucks really do force their way up into the one seed there, then really, I mean, it's going to be an argument that is hard to ignore. Uh, before I get to that question from Robert, I want to talk a little bit more about Locker Room, particularly for those that aren't joining us today, Justin. So it's a live audio-only sports talk platform. So again, we are live right now. You can free, uh, it is free to download the Locker Room app so you can talk to uh, us. You can get in the chat like Robert has here today. Uh, there's other insiders that are on the app. Athletes are here as well. Uh, people use it for watch parties, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. So those are certainly some of the things we're going to experiment with as well. It's free. And as I said, it's audio only, so that's what I love. I don't have to put my uh, face in front of a camera here. Uh, we're just chatting as we normally would. Uh, perhaps, like we said, just a little bit more uh, pressure with this with this type of show. 
But you can join in on the conversation with us on Lockdown Bucks as we're going to continue to do this. We'll be hosting rooms uh, at least once a week. Again, I don't have a specific time because with the nature of the NBA schedule, we'll uh, wait and see what happens there. But all you have to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group. Follow me, at Kane Pittman, to be notified when my room goes live. And then uh, come in here with some takes and let's have some fun. So Locker Room app. And then another note, this time from our friends at Blue Chew, who is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, but in chewable forms that are at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office are required, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it also ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluetooth.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Bluetooth's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluetooth.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at the checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluetooth.com promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by our friend, Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to Robert now. He's jumped in the chat, Justin. He says, what kind of output will the Bucks need from the big three to even have a chance against Brooklyn in a three-game... Uh, he says in a three-game series. In a seven-game series, uh, he clarified there. So uh, imagine if we went back to the three-game first round, by the way. Jeez, <laughs> that would be terrifying in a 1v8. Imagine last year against the Magic. That oh, would have geez. been pretty scary. So this question is interesting, though, because we've seen on a couple of occasions that against the elites of the elites, uh, the Bucks big three have really stood up and perhaps not the bench. And so I go back to the game against Brooklyn earlier in the season and keeping in mind on that night there was no Kyrie Irving, but Giannis, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Milton had 25, 4, and 4, and Drew Holiday had 22, 4, and 6. So on that night, uh, you get uh, – let me just – let me do some quick math here. That's 71 points, 71 points from those three. And to me, that feels about right. If I had to put a number on it, I would be saying that you want to get – at least 70 points out of those three. And that's a big ask over the course of a seven-game series. But I just think that is the type of output you're going to need. And then you're looking for at least two other guys to get in double digits. Now, on that night, the problem for the Bucks, despite the fact they scored 123 points, the problem was they only got four points from Bobby Portis, four points from Bryn Forbes, and Dante only had eight as well. So I know in the playoffs we're going to expect that the starters are going to push up and they're going to play 37, 38, 39 minutes, and we've already seen this year that Bud is willing to play these guys more. But you're still going to need some contributions from those guys and at least one of the role players on any given night to hopefully pop off a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to – Brooklyn is such a unique situation and circumstance where you're going to need one of the three guys to pop off for a huge game, and then you you can't have an absence from either of the other two. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that you're going to need 30 points from multiple guys, but you're going to need – you can't have a guy go, you know, three for 12 and score 17 points or 15 points. You need guys to consistently give you production. And not only that, I mean, I, I think it, it's one through four that you're going to need Chris and Giannis and Drew to all have big games, but Brooke or Dante is going to have to have – a noticeable game. It doesn't necessarily have to be like the what twenty two. I think that Brooke had um, against the Wizards the other night. It, it doesn't have to be in the twenties, but you have to get one of those types of performances where you look back and you think, "Man, Brooke Lopez had a pretty good game." And you look through and you see he scored fourteen points, but it was where he gave you those points and just you know the threat of this is a guy that hit some shots for him, and then the Bucks can go to him to give them that other option. So. To me, it's more of you just can't have anybody fall off, that it doesn't necessarily have to be we need X amount of points. You just can't have that dud where a guy goes two or three for you know 13 or 15 and, and scores 10 points or so. You, you have to avoid that against this Brooklyn team. Just going back and looking at the fourth quarter box score from this game, it's really fascinating. I mean, we know Giannis was huge. He had 11 points. He was five for six from the field. Something that stands out to me, and we've spoke about this a lot about what matchups you'll potentially need Brook Lopez in. And there's certainly a chance that the Nets could go small and say, yeah, we're going to throw out uh, Jeff Green or Kevin Durant at the five. Uh, fingers crossed Kevin Durant is healthy, by the way. He's having some struggles, but they might go down that path. But I think the problem with that, again, for Brooklyn is going to be, you really want to put Durant on Giannis when he's going downhill. I, I think the benefit of having a guy like Kevin Durant is, yeah, he can guard him on the perimeter, and then you have a DeAndre Jordan or whoever it may be. I mean, at this point, they're probably going to add another big man as as the season goes on here. So that's where it's interesting for Brook Lopez because he actually played all 12 minutes of that fourth court, yeah. which is quite remarkable, and he was fine. Two for four from the field, five points, four rebounds, one steal, and a block. Also for him, he was plus three in that fourth quarter as well in those 12 minutes. The Bucks won the fourth quarter. And then you got five points from Drew Holiday and uh, and six from Chris Milton. But it is just fascinating to see. Brooklyn are one of those unique teams, kind of similar to Philadelphia, where you feel like Brook Lopez is going to have plenty of time on the court. And with that, I spent some time this morning just looking at lineup data. And again, we're so early in the season that a lot of this stuff it's not worth looking at in terms of lineups that have barely played with each other because right. there's different factors that come into that, whether it's hot shooting from the other team, poor shooting from the other team. But the starting lineup, you can actually look at it and say, well, okay, where are they performing this year, particularly in comparison to where they were last year? They've played 289 minutes together so far, which when you consider Drew missed 10 games, it's well down on probably where it would have been in terms of having a, a larger sample size. But they have an offensive rating of 114.9. So there's 14 teams that have, or 14 five-man lineups across the league that have played 200-plus minutes. That offensive rating ranks 10th, which is at least a little bit surprising that this Bucks team has been such a juggernaut offensively, but the starting lineup hasn't exactly been on fire comparative to some of the other lineups they've had. Defensively, 103.6, which actually ranks third out of 14, which is just a fascinating reminder that they're not at the absolute historic 
elite level that they were defensively last year. But that third ranking for that defensive rating of 103.6, the Lakers are in second at 103.4. So you're talking 0.2 of a point per 100 possessions difference between the Bucks and the Lakers starters. And then the Clippers are number one there at 101.7. So the Bucks are still, as far as starting lineup goes defensively, the numbers are still right there among other groups, which is interesting because, again, maybe a couple of the teams that the Bucks have to go through, Brooke Lopez is going to be an important piece. Yeah, and you know the, the Brooklyn piece is interesting because, as you said, you don't really want to go small all that long if you're Brooklyn because of the defensive implications, and do you really want to have to put Kevin Durant on Giannis or just figure out, all right, where are we going to put Kevin Durant? If it's not Giannis, then it's Chris, and maybe you're putting Blake Griffin out there or Jeff Green. I mean, that also doesn't seem desirable. Um, but, I mean, it's got to be interesting for both sides that the Bucks would have a distinct advantage where they could say, all right, if they're going to go small and if they're going to throw Blake Griffin out there, for example, as the five, we're just going to pound it into Brook and we'll get some points there. But the issue and where Brooklyn can make it a really big issue is in the simple math of depending on the lineup they put out there, if they're just bombing away on threes, I mean, yeah, you might be getting what you want offensively, but if they're scoring three every trip down the floor and you're just going into Brook and scoring two, then it's going to be a problem. Um, I guess I'm... I'm going to be curious to see that, and that's really the one, I guess, matchup that concerns all of us. With the Bucks' defense, it's just, you know, we've seen the signs that they're getting better, and I haven't seen since the last uh, two Wizards games, where I'm assuming that hasn't helped, but uh, they've been continuing to rise in terms of defensive rating, and really, they were around like 12 coming into the second half of the season, I think, and if you just look at the games in February – they are in the top 10. So they have been getting better as the season goes on. And actually, in the games played since February 1st, they have the second uh, – well, they're still up there. They're sixth. It's sixth best defensive rating. So this is a group that's continuing to get better. And the most important thing is they don't have to be that elite, far and away best defense that you spoke of that they were a year ago. You just have to be good enough that you just have to make those stops – like case in point, the Clippers game and what they did down the stretch. I know it's not the same caliber of opponent, but what you did in the first game against the Wizards with that stop against Russell Westbrook, you just need timely stops and you just need to be good enough. And, you know, everybody's going to point to you need a top 10 offense and top 10 defense. And right now the Bucks are in that mix. So you would certainly like to see your defense get better. But I think at this point, the defense is good enough. It's just, can you consistently get those stops when you need them. And, you know, Brooklyn is going to be tough to, to gauge against just because of the offensive challenges for any defense that goes against them. But, I mean, overall, all the questions that everybody had, too, about Brook Lopez offensively and defensively. I mean, he has, what, 11 blocks in the three games played in the second half of the season? And you brought it up to Bud, too, about is this a guy that just needed that extra time I mean, it certainly looks like it because he looks every bit the anchor he was the last two years now during this three or four game stretch. All right. It's time once again to talk about Built Bar because, you know, you've been hearing about us talk about Built Bar for a long time. You've heard that Justin loves Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And of course, they taste amazing and are 100% covered in chocolate. But now it's time to find out which one of the bars is the best ever. We have Built Bar 
madness going on right now. Now, uh, one of the sweetest 16 matchups we had, Toffee Almond and Mint Brownie. Mint Brownie moved through. Justin, you are pumped about that. We still have Peanut Butter Brownie versus Coconut Almond. We have Peanut Butter versus Coconut Puff. We have Caramel Brownie versus Double Chocolate. Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Lemon Almond Cheesecake. Birthday Cake versus Coconut. And Salted Caramel versus Cookie Dough Chunk. So the sweetest 16 matchups are right there now. These bars are trying to get through to the enticing eight. The drama is really starting to build. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com or check out at built, uh, actually at bar underscore built on Twitter. And you can check the brackets there. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. And I'm actually surprised that betonline.ag doesn't have the built brackets on their website because we know BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, but they aren't just about sports. They also have awards, TV shows, and reality TV. So why couldn't they have the March Madness built bar bracket on their, on their betting lines? Who knows? People might want to bet on that because football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It's small market meets big market. Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast. Join Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. So the interesting part of this, or the, the opposite side of what we're discussing here with Brooke Lopez, and it's important to note one of the things that we've said along the way here is that very intrigued by the Giannis at the five lineup, particularly in closing situations. Now, is that something you go to against Philadelphia or Brooklyn? Maybe not. And that's the interesting part about this. But in other series, I think that it could be. And we saw Bud at times last year go to it. It certainly seems that he's more willing to experiment this year. And perhaps part of that also is because of the case that you look at someone like Bobby Portis and he's not Robin Lopez. (laughs) He's not a traditional center in that sense. So maybe it just feels a little bit different. But if you want some little small sample size fun here, Justin, the closing lineup that Bud has kind of settled on, let's say, over the last little stretch here, has been basically replacing Brooke Lopez with Pat Connaughton. The funny thing to me when I look at this, and this is why we, we discuss it a lot, it's noteworthy, but then it's funny when you actually look at the numbers. They've only actually played 17 minutes together. So this is Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, and of course Giannis. In those 17 minutes, 123.7 offensive rating, 72.5 defensive rating for a cool 51.2 net rating for Bud's preferred closing lineup. But this is a great segue into the PJ Tucker talk because the rumors aren't going away. PJ Tucker, not too far away from turning 36. And I do want to shout out a Twitter user who tweeted out, I I mentioned some P.J. Tucker stuff the other day because the reports suggest that 
the Rockets want a young piece for PJ Tucker, which in itself is laughable. <laughs> like, if you think that DJ Wilson is a young piece, then then fine. I I, I think that DJ Wilson. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. I don't know what he could be at the NBA level, but it's very clear at this point that his opportunities aren't going to come in Milwaukee. He's not going to be here next season. So, sure, if, if that was the type of piece that intrigued Houston, then that's a young piece that has played at the NBA level, is intriguing. They might want to see what they've got. If you're talking about Dante DiVincenzo, then get the hell out of here. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That is not a direction that the Bucks would go down, and they would be absolutely ridiculous to do so. So really, the question that you have to ask yourself, and this is what I've been asking and I threw it um, to a couple of people over the weekend, was would you trade Pat Connaughton for DJ Wilson, because, uh, for PJ Tucker? Because essentially that's what the trade probably would likely be. I know it was also one that uh, Eric Name had in his story, which is essentially DJ Wilson, Pat Connaughton, and a second round pick. Uh, for PJ Tucker. Before I get to that, I got completely distracted with the story I was trying to tell, but a Twitter user the other day wrote back to me and said, uh, Brooke Lopez for PJ Tucker straight up. And I I laughed originally because obviously those that have been listening to the podcast understand that I would think that that's a ridiculous trade. And I think you know, for all intents and purposes, it is. It's a crazy trade. But then the user, and I don't have it here. I wish I had it here because I want to give this Twitter user credit for this, came back and said, well, the Rockets are after a young piece. And Brooke Lopez compared to PJ Tucker is actually a young piece, and I was dying. I thought it was an excellent comment. Much respect to that uh, that comeback there. But here's the deal. Pat Connaughton, we know. Another couple of years, and the big thing with the Connaughton contract is a player option in the third year. But he's been really, really good. And when you look at the numbers on and off court, and again, these numbers are starting to pile up a little bit. We're, we're more than halfway into the season. With Pat Connaughton on the court, the defense has a rating of 106.4. When he's off, it's 109.6. The offense is essentially identical. So quite simply, the Bucs have been better in lineups with Pat Connaughton on the floor. Now, he's also been shooting the ball extremely well. If you were to trade potentially DJ Wilson, Pat Connaughton, and a second for PJ Tucker, then essentially you are suggesting or you are of the opinion that the Bucks need a solid option at the four or potentially a small ball center for defensive purposes because you aren't getting more offense at a PJ Tucker, Tucker than you have with Pat Connaughton, who has been shooting the ball at 40% from three, essentially 39% now after, after yesterday's game. He's more athletic. He can cut to the basket. He can throw a dunk down. He can get you an offensive rebound and a putback. All things that PJ Tucker simply can't do. The one thing that I would say is that with PJ Tucker, the Bucks do get a guy that clearly is disgruntled in Houston, clearly doesn't want to be there, but they will get an asshole on the team. And that is at least a little bit intriguing to me when I think about a series against yeah, potentially Miami, potentially Philadelphia, PJ Tucker will sit Jimmy Butler on his ass. And I kind of like that idea. And I know it's kind of old school and it's an outdated thing that perhaps you don't actually really need, but we've spoke about it for so long. The Bucks haven't had an asshole on the roster. Potentially Sterling Brown was the guy that had that real grunt out of a player that you, know, you think is actually playable. 
Because I know some people will suggest the Nassus, but we've been there. I don't think he's going to be playing in the postseason. So at least PJ Tucker is a guy that's played in a lot of playoff games. And he will at least bring that to the table. I don't know. Given the way Pat Connaughton is playing, how hesitant would you be to pull the trigger on that deal? Um, well, I mean, PJ Tucker is, as Jimmy Butler put it all throughout that series last year, PJ Tucker is just a dog. So in that sense, I agree with you. I am, um, I kind of waffle back and forth on PJ Tucker all the time because, um, it, it's not going away anytime soon. And it, it's going to be here until at least we'll be on March 25th because he's probably going to end up ge- being bought out then and going somewhere else. So it's going to linger for most of the season. And I mean, I'm not sure because, for one, we do have to consider there's a chance that it, this is just the decline of P.J. Tucker that we're witnessing. I mean, he's a guy yeah. that's been an Iron Man and he's in his mid-30s, and he's put a lot of wear and tear on his body for being undersized and playing in the pivot throughout his career. And um, there's a chance that we're just starting to witness the decline of him. There's also a chance that you know he just hasn't been in a great situation, similar to what we saw with James Harden. He's just eager to get out of Houston. But then as a a few people have pointed out, then you also have to question, well, do we really want to roll the dice and trust that, number one, it is just that, that he was essentially tanking it in Houston? And secondly, do we want to bring that into our locker room if that's the case? And are we convinced that now he'll flip the switch and go back to what he was in Houston? The Pat Connaughton thing is interesting because I'm not sure, and think about this in the offseason when everybody was very critical of that contract. Think about now reaching the point where you're on the fence as to whether or not you would include Pat Connaughton in a trade. That I think if we went back to the offseason, everybody would have assumed the answer is yes. If you can get somebody like P.J. Tucker, absolutely do it. But as you pointed to, I mean, the value has been there, and he's shooting near 40%. Um, I mean, I don't know. To me, the eyeball test says it's this. I don't know that the stats back it up because his usage has gone down in each season he's played with the Bucks, but it just seems like part of it is the usage and the role that he's being asked to play this year. Where last year he had to do a lot of scoring off the bench, where he was one of your primary guys. And the year before, that was not the case with George Hill just arriving. And I know George Hill was on the team last year as well, but George Hill just arriving and you brought in Nico Miritich as well, and you still had Tony Snell on the team that there was other guys there where Pat was coming in for energy and to give your team the lifts there and occasionally take a shot when he's open. And then last year, you kind of had to lean on him a little more offensively, and I think that really hurt him. I mean, the other thing that, again, you can't quantify, and you you sound crazy when you bring it up, is I mean, I do think Pat Connaughton, he and Thanasis are probably the two guys that are clearly benefiting the most from this. I do think Pat Connaughton is just one of those guys that plays better in front of crowds, that he gives you those energy plays and he gets the crowd going and he feeds off of that, that think back to in the bubble and in this environment early on in the season as well, that it was just so serene and stale. And I'm sure that's not great for Pat Connaughton. I know all the players went through it, but but he's one of those guys. I would lean towards no, that I think just based off, all the positives that you would get from P.J. Tucker, and again, it's not like P.J. Tucker would come in and replace Brooke Lopez in the starting lineup or would even play more minutes than Brooke Lopez. I mean, the other thing is people have to temper their expectations for what you would be asking out of P.J. Tucker. And again, it's not a guy that's going to come in and score 10 or 15 points a night. I mean, just look at what he's done in Houston. He'll take the open corner three and hit it, but you're you're putting him out there for the reason you just – 
stated before. I mean, it's the mentality and the defense and just the attitude that he brings more than anything. And he's a smart defender. So those are all the reasons you would get him. It's not so much for anything you're going to see in the box score. And I just don't know that you couldn't find other guys via the buyout market that would give you maybe not exactly everything that the best case scenario of PJ Tucker would give you, but that wouldn't give you similar things where it wouldn't cost you Pat Connaughton. So to the surprise of absolutely no one, we are going long here, which of course everyone knew was going to be the case. A couple of final points I want to make on PJ Tucker here. Just a couple of thoughts to throw out there and uh, the listeners can make their own judgments. The one thing with the washed PJ Tucker theory that's interesting to me is he shooting? He's shooting 31% from three this year. And yeah. my the question I would ask is, if he's not having the same impact defensively, then fine, because the team sucks. He's clearly not interested in being there. He's going to be a guy that is clearly going to get a motivation boost. But everyone in the damn league is shooting the hell out of the ball this year. So the 31% is slightly concerning that that is just going to be a downward trajectory from there for him. But... On the other side of the coin, and a reason why I am intrigued by the potential of this trade is the fact that Pat Connaughton has been awful shooting the ball in the postseason the last two years. So I do wonder if you get to the postseason this year and he shoots the way that he's shot and not – he shot well against Boston, he shot well against Detroit, he shot well in those early series, but when the Bucs have gone down, he hasn't been able to hit a shot. And he's getting wide open threes. So I think that that would be the question. If you got to the postseason this year and he was shooting low 30% or you know high 20s, whatever it may be, then you'd think, ah, man, yeah. I mean, we should have known this. We've seen this the last two years. So that would be the last point I would make there. Uh, Dominic, uh, Dominic White, who, by the way, had some audio problems, but he's with us now, which is uh, great to see. He says the last assholes he can probably remember on the box or the last assholes that you know, stand out to him, Greg Monroe, and Dali, my great mate Dali. Well, yeah. uh, any time I can mention Dali, it's a great thing. And and look, he's not an arsehole. He's actually a great bloke. I was going to say that uh, is on the court, by the way. Misunderstood. Yeah. Misunderstood. Should we say that? Let's wrap this up by moving on to the Sixers a little bit here. Now, we spoke about Joel Embiid earlier in the week. Uh, we know, obviously, he's not going to be playing in this game. The Sixers are 3-5 and five without Embiid so far this season. Uh, they did completely destroy the Spurs the other night, which you know is noteworthy because the Spurs have sneakily been a pretty good team. Pretty good, yeah, yeah, a pretty good team this year. And the Bucks have them coming up in a little bit. The one thing that stands out to me is Ben Simmons against the Bucks. Ten games he's played against Milwaukee, he's averaging ten points, seven rebounds, nine assists. His usage percentage of seventeen is the lowest against any other team in the NBA. He just hasn't been able to have an impact. So I think without Joel Embiid. The dynamic actually changes a little bit. And I, I do wonder how he is going to fare as the real focal point of the offense. And I think for the Bucks, the key point is going to be uh, don't load up on him too much. If you want to force him into trying to be a scorer, certainly earlier in the season, he had some struggles with efficiency around the basket. The one thing you have to be careful of is he is, as much as we talk about Giannis, Ben Simmons over the last few seasons has been right up there in the top two or three in terms of assisting three-point baskets. And against the Spurs the other night, it was Danny Green, it was Seth Curry, and it was Corkmars as well off the bench. That's the one thing that's really the the warning bells uh, for me, I would say, uh, right there. But we do have one question from Dominic White. He says, do we see Brooks' minutes being staggered to play just against Dwight Howard tomorrow? Well, the interesting thing about that is that Tony Bradley 
yeah. has actually started uh, in in Joel Embiid's absence, and uh, he's not exactly a shooter either. So the funny thing about this is that it might still be a matchup where the Bucks are able to play Brook a fair bit there. Yeah, and Tony Bradley's been basically getting the Keith Bogans treatment where he'll start, yeah. but it's still Dwight Howard that's yeah. playing the bulk of the minutes. And, I mean, we've even seen them pull back Mike Scott now, which would be the shooter, I guess. But I, I don't think it really changes anything for Brook in tomorrow's matchup. And the Sixers won tonight, but a total rock fight with the Knicks, 99 to 96. But I think the thing that's what makes them really interesting during this stretch that we talked about without Embiid is I know they played a more difficult schedule in the first half of the season, but they still have some tough offenses left on the schedule that they're going to have to go against. But I have some serious questions about what this offense is going to look like without Joel Embiid because we know – even though they added more shooting in the offseason, and we've seen kind of a carryover from Doc Rivers' tenure in the Clippers, they're just not taking a ton of threes. Um, they're around 34% that they shot, I think, tonight. And, I mean, I just question where a lot of the point production is going to come from. And I know the Knicks have been a good defense, but we saw tonight 99 points that they scored. The problem with not having Embiid is now you need more from Ben Simmons, whereas as great as Tobias Harris was playing, I mean, you talk about guys that have struggled in the playoffs. That's another thing that makes the Sixers interesting is he's basically your number two scorer with the way that this roster is structured. And we've seen Tobias Harris not have some great playoff showings, but now with no Joel Embiid, you need around 20 points a night from Ben Simmons. And I'm just not sure you can consistently get that. So I think it's going to be a big advantage for the Bucs, and I'm going to be curious to see what type of Sixers team we see tomorrow on night two of a back-to-back. And as we mentioned, needing offense from some of those guys you don't typically get it from, especially where, so looking at the Bucs, Tobias Harris scored 30 points tonight and was four of six on threes. I mean, they're going to need that, mm-hmm. and they're going to need big nights from guys like Seth Curry and Furkan Korkmaz as well. I just don't know that you can consistently get that when Joel Embiid isn't there to open up some free looks for those guys. Yeah, on one respect, it's a shame because we all wanted to see that matchup. But on the other hand, it's an opportunity. The Bucs have to take advantage of this. They are two and a half games back of the Sixers as it currently stands. So uh, that tip-off, 6 p.m. Central Time. It is on ESPN, as Justin pointed out uh, a little bit earlier when we were chatting. It's probably more likely going to be 6.15, let's be honest. Uh, But... Uh, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a really enjoyable game. It's always fun to play the Sixers. It's safe to say these teams don't necessarily like each other. But again, not only with the standings currently, but as far as potential tiebreaker implications, it's going to be an important one. But hey, I, I think we'll wrap it up here. I've actually found this really enjoyable. I know we haven't exactly had a huge live audience here today, but we've had <laughs> a number of people jumping jumping in and out. And as I mentioned, uh, you can actually speak as well. So I just really wanted to get through the first one uh, without any any issues, and hopefully this works out okay. But moving forward, uh, yeah, you'll be able to jump on and you'll be able to have your voice on the pod. You'll be able to ask a question and we'll be able to roll from there. So hopefully this is just the start of something pretty cool because this has been fun. And by the way, Justin, I don't think we've ever done anything live where I've actually had the responsibility of directing the ship. So this is also a milestone for us. 
Yeah. And we had a ton of breaking news as we had the Sixers winning during the game. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, KOC's tweet, too, that it looks like the Heat are engaged in conversations for Trevor Ariza, which just feels like it's Andre Iguodala 2.0, that let's just trust what this guy did in the past. It's going to be there again, even though he hasn't. I don't think he's played this year, has he, Trevor Ariza? No, no, he has not. So, I mean, that'll be interesting if the Heat can strike lightning in a bottle again with a guy like that. Well, you just brought up a good point, and this is going to be the cool thing about jumping on this locker room app is that with the trade deadline coming up, if the Bucks do make a move, then we can jump straight on live, and you guys can jump on the app. Uh, you can jump in the chat room. Uh, we've had a, a couple of uh, listeners here chatting with each other, throwing questions at me, so that's the fun thing about it. And with uh, the trade deadline coming up here, that's going to be awesome. So, Justin, listen, I, I do I have to say this. I really appreciate you uh, testing the waters with me today because I literally had no idea how this was going to go. I uh, I was also in the dark for this, so I'm glad that I have one under my belt as well, and it, it went much better than expected. I would say so. Hopefully, uh, I tell you what, the last piece of the puzzle here is hopefully the audio makes it to my email inbox and I can actually put this <laughs> on the podcast feed because that would be disastrous if that's not the case. But we'll wrap it up there. Like I said, Bucks and Sixers, 6 p.m. Central tomorrow. Of course, uh, we'll have a post-game pod there as well so keep an eye out for that bucks have won nine and ten so they're on a roll so tomorrow should be another exciting one justin and myself uh, take care and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow